So, of course, because this is behind me, you know there will not be a regular Sunday evening service tonight. Tonight will be the kickoff for our Vacation Bible School, but and that starts at 6 p.m., but I did want to say, if any of you would like to join me, if you say, you know what, I'm in the routine of coming at 5, if you'd like to come at 5 and join me in my office for prayer, I'd love to have some prayer time for our workers and for the boys and girls, the moms and dads, and all those who will be a part of Vacation Bible School. I know some of the volunteers will be involved in other things, but if you're free and you'd like to join me for prayer, I would love to uh, have you join me and we'd love to go to the Lord together and ask Him to bless this week. All the painting and all of the organization and all of the things that could be done matter nothing if God doesn't work. And so we want God to do His work in people's hearts, and we're just thankful to be able to have some fun and do our part and make things enjoyable for the boys and girls when they come. But we're praying for God to really encourage families. I'm thankful for a couple of families that are here today as a result of last year's Vacation Bible School and looking forward to what God may do this year through our Vacation Bible School and through all those that are involved in that. But this morning, we want to go to the Lord in prayer, ask Him to bless this service because we want Him to help us today. And uh, we're so glad to have this group here from Southland ministering with us. Many of the boys and girls and teenagers had some of these uh, young men and young women as their camp counselors and involved in various things at the camp over the past couple of weeks. And so I thought this would be fun to have them here today. And uh, so we're very thankful for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be together and worshiping you. It is good to be able to join together and sing your praises and be able to come to you in prayer. I'm so thankful that we can communicate directly to our Heavenly Father. And that through your word and through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you can communicate with us. Lord, it is wonderful to be able to have a personal relationship with a holy God. Lord, if there's anybody here today that hasn't experienced that, doesn't know what it means to have that relationship, I pray that we'd be able to encourage them and help them today in that. Be able to show them how they too can have a relationship with God and how that can change their life. Lord, we thank you for this service. We thank you that we can come together, and I pray that you would bless this time. Work in our hearts. We thank you for the work that you did down on the north side this past week and the beginnings of a new church founded there. Lord, we thank you for how you're guiding and directing and providing, and we look forward to seeing what else you're going to do in that process. Lord, I pray that you bless all that was done, that's done today. We, may, we will give you the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This morning, Brother Mike Herbster is going to preach for us. I'm very thankful for him and uh, the part that he's had in my life and just knowing him and his wife and their family. They've been a great encouragement to us, and I hope he'll be an encouragement to you as well this morning. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 3 real quick. I know you've heard preachers say that before real quick. But we still have... Um, time to take the Lord's table, but let's get to the Word of God. John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews, Nicodemus, a religious man. How many of you know there's a lot of religion in our world that is missing Jesus? That's where Nicodemus was. And I want to just challenge us from this, uh, this text in John chapter 3 for just a few minutes. Checking my clock here. Going to try to make sure that we uh, don't go too long. That's hard for a preacher, but we'll do the best we can. John chapter 3, but I hope you enjoyed the music. We wanted to give you a lot of music, give our attention to 
worship of God. And music is not for entertainment. It's to draw our hearts to worship of God. And worship of God is not just responding going, that was good. Worship of God is responding with how that affects my life after I hear it, meditate on it, and go and live it. That's true worship of God, a response to what we hear in the music, a response to what the Word of God is doing, a response of obedience. But back here in John chapter 3, if you're there, let's look together at verse uh, 16 and following, this familiar passage, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And if you'll uh, flip down to verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. This text is one of the clearest texts of the exclusive nature of Jesus Christ for salvation. And I know most of us here today have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and if you did, it's because you believed in Jesus alone for salvation. Amen? And thank the Lord for that. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today is the day of salvation for you. He says He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But I think it's also important for us to continually be amazed with the amazing love of God. I love amazing things. I remember as a kid... Uh, reading the Guinness Book of World Records, it was like a 400-page book back then. Now you can get it all online, but that dates me and tells, me, tells you how old I am. We didn't even have the Internet back in, in that day, junior high and senior high. And even in college, it was just coming out. But anyway, some of you older folks know what I'm talking about. But we would read the Guinness Book of World Records. We're like, oh, that is so cool. Look at the, the heaviest man ever to live. Uh, his name was John, and he weighed like 12 or four, I think it was 1,400 pounds. That's pretty amazing. A uh, large guy. Then I was an identical twin, so I remember seeing the 450-pound twins, and they were the heaviest twins, and they had them sitting on Harley-Davidson motorcycles. You say, you remember that? I do. Pictured in black and white in the Guinness Book of World Records, I always loved amazing things. Now you can get on YouTube and get on the internet and people even send these crazy videos to me through email. Do you guys get some of those? These amazing things, things that take place and there's a lot, there's even a reality shows with people coming on and doing amazing things and people are consumed with amazing things. Can I tell you what we're looking at today is the most amazing thing that's ever happened and it's the love of God. And it's interesting to me that he's speaking this text that we all know, this John 3.16, where people hold up the signs with John 3.16. Don't you wish that everybody that held up the sign knew what it meant? And don't you wish that everybody that saw the sign knew what it meant? Part of my challenge today is that that's what our goal as Christians should be, to let everybody know what John 3.16 is all about. That faith in Christ alone, by His grace alone, is what we need. But here he is speaking to a religious man, and we need to speak to these people in our society who still haven't received Christ, but yet they're religious. It is not about a religion, it is about a relationship. Just remember that. It's a very important statement. You are not here to today because of ritual or religiosity to come to church. You are here to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, which will make a difference in your life and marriage and family. And everything that happens in your life is all centered around how good is your relationship with God. And so it's very important that from the start that we understand that we are not saved by works, we're not saved by our religion, and Nicodemus was trying that, wasn't he? And he comes in John chapter 3, verse 16, and very clearly uh, sets that 
that philosophy or that thinking aside as we should do in our society as well. And he says, for God so loved the world. Now, I think it's interesting to, uh, to note a few things about God's love in John chapter 3, verse 16. I know it's a familiar text, but can you look at it fresh again today? The first thing I want you to notice is the power of God's love. It says, for God. Now, it's important in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can't believe the first verse of the Bible, it's hard to believe any of the Bible. God spoke the world into existence. We sang him as being the creator. He, he, he did not even have to form the world. However, he stooped and he formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, fashioning us. He's the potter. We are the clay. This is God. We are servants of God. He is sovereign. We are not. Yet this God sent his son in love to die for us. That is powerful. The infinite God of heaven became finite in coming to human earth. He became a man. That doesn't mean that he wasn't all God. It just means that he lowered himself, as the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, so that he could come and die for our sins. That's a phenomenal thought, isn't it? That the infinite God of heaven loves you. This is powerful love. We have campers coming to camp, and we've, we've heard of so much brokenness in our world. And it's there, isn't it? It's everywhere. Our hearts in love break when we hear the stories. And it's awesome for us to be able to try to emulate the love of Christ to the campers. But what's even better than that is telling the campers that God loves them. And that is powerful love. He loves the whole world. Notice the scope of that power. That power reaches to all the world. He says, for God so loved the world. Now, the world is not the, the, the uh, earth that we stand on. That's not the world. There's several words in the Bible, in the New Testament, for the word world. But this one is in, in, in reference to the peoples of the world. It's dealing with people. And so every race, every, every uh, language, every nation can know that God is there for them and that His love is available through them. So God made a way for everybody. And I firmly believe that God is making a way of salvation for all people. And I do not believe any kind of theological system that would limit that. And it's important that we understand God did this for all peoples in all time periods, in all countries, in all languages. This is the power of God's love. But I want you to notice, second of all, not only the power of God's love, but the proving of God's love as we move quickly. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now, this is important. If you are married here today, you know that you can easily say that you love your spouse, but they want to see it proven, and you ought to prove it by your actions, by your gifting to them, by remembering anniversaries, remembering birthdays, etc., right? You know what I mean, husbands, right? We, if you love somebody, you prove it in, in what you do for them and how you, uh, how you sacrifice for them and you, you prove their love. I want to say thank you again to my summer staff and the, the wonderful privilege it is to serve together. And they've proved that they love the Lord and they've proved that they've loved the campers because they gave of their summer not to make a lot of money because they don't at Southland, but they gave of their time, their energy, and their efforts to serve People, which is exactly what God says satisfies our life. When we love God and we love people. And you don't love God if you don't love people right. Because the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And so it's important that we prove our love back to God. But God did prove his love for us, did he not? In that he gave, watch this, his only begotten son. It's an important phrase in scripture. His only unique, one-of-a-kind son. You met my two sons here a moment ago. I'm sorry, I love you, but I would not let them die for you. I would rather die for you than them die for you. You get what I'm saying? But God gave his son. You have children. You wouldn't want to sacrifice that child for somebody else. But God did that. 
He gave His only unique, one-of-a-kind Son, Jesus, came so that He could die for you. This is the proving of God's love. May we not forget this as we even take the table today and we think about the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. May we not forget how amazing this love is that He would prove it to you and to all mankind. Then I want you to notice this. He says, he says For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And watch this. That whosoever believeth in Him. I want you to notice the purpose of God's love. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's what God says. God says, you are a sinner, you, you, in Adam all have sinned, and in Adam all die. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to disobey. They come into the world knowing how to do that, right? So God in His love wants to rescue His creation. He wants to save you. He wants to set you apart. He wants to gather you back to Himself. He is seeking souls to be saved. Jesus Himself said, I am come to seek and to save those that were lost. So the purpose of this love that God demonstrated in giving Jesus was to rescue mankind into a right relationship with God so that His creation could properly glorify God. Everybody has the same purpose in their existence. Did you know that? Everybody, even if they don't know it yet, has the same purpose. That purpose is to glorify God. You were not created for you. You were created for God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. And that is good for all the lost out there because they need to recognize that in sin, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? the glory of God, in sin, they're not going to be able to properly glorify God. But it's also good for us after we're saved because this is why whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we are to do everything in our life for the purpose of giving the right opinion of our great God. We are to glorify God. Is there any area of your life, Christian, where you are not glorifying God? And what you look at and what you listen to and where you go and who you, who you do things with and what you do, is there any way that you're not glorifying God in your home and in your families? This is what has to be purged out of our life so that we can properly fulfill the glory of God. Now at salvation, obviously the purpose of God's love was initially to snatch you from the miry pit of sin and hell and destruction, set your feet upon a rock, change your life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. With a hearty amen, if Christ has changed you, say amen. amen. Aren't you glad for the wonderful change in our hearts has been wrought? Since Jesus came into our heart, I can't imagine living life without Jesus. But this is the purpose of God's love. What kind of love is this that he could have discarded of it all, destroyed it all, started all over, but instead he said, no, I'm going to make a way of salvation to rescue fallen men. And I will give them the ability to choose, have the will to choose, give them intellect to understand, and I will make myself known to them so they'll have no excuse. Nobody in this world will have an excuse. God, I didn't know. God, I didn't have a chance to know. I believe all men will have an opportunity. And they, Romans chapter 1 says they will be without excuse. The purpose of God's love. And then, fourth, I want you to notice the possession of God's love. Notice, whoever, that's everybody, believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's again brought out in verse 17, for God sent not, in 17 and 18, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus came, but He came to save them. And then He says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. And in verse 36, He that believeth on it's very simple, very clear. Religion has complicated the simple, plain message of the gospel. 
He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not shall not see life, but the wrath of God will abide on him. We must speak about the wrath of God, and that is that God judges sin. He can't let sin into heaven. Nothing enters into heaven that defiles it, the Scripture says. And if you've offended in one point, you are guilty of it all. One sin sends a man to hell. All are sinners, so we're all in trouble. The wrath of God is abiding on those who have not trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But praise the Lord for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And by simply believing, we can receive eternal life. The Bible uses the word gift all through the Scripture. That this is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. How many of you are amazed that God would give us this type of gift? A gift that transforms our life, gives us abundant living, a reason to live, a purpose for existence, an eternal life and a home in heaven. It's an amazing gift that God has given on our behalf. But it only is received by those who believe. Repent and believe the gospel. It's all through the scripture. It's two sides of the same coin. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to recognize your sin. This is repentance. And you need to recognize that's sending you the wrong way. And you need to change your mind about that. And you need to believe on the only person who can save your soul, Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. This is what Jesus is saying right here to Nicodemus. And he says, this is how you possess the love of God. This is how you possess salvation and eternal life, by believing. Now, it's not just an intellectual belief, because in the book of James, it says that the devils believe and tremble. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? You can believe with your, the intellect and not really receive it in your heart. It has to get from your head to your heart, knowing that this is the only way of salvation. My question today is, have you ever done that? Have you ever been born again? Earlier in the text, he said that you cannot go to heaven unless you are born again. And the moment you are born again is when you, by faith, receive Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him, to them give you power to become the what? Sons of God. That's the new birth, even to them that believe on his name. And if you have done that today, praise the Lord for that. Rejoice in the amazing love that God has shown on your behalf. And then start acting like a citizen of heaven, a child of God. That's the point. You are snatched in possession by belief in Christ. You are not your, your own now. You belong to God. Live like that every single day. And then the final point I want you to see is he says this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a joy to know the profit of God's love. This is the last point. Uh, the power of God's love, the proving of God's love, the possession of God's love, the purpose of God's love, and finally, uh, the, the profit of God's love, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish. You will not die the second death. We all know people who have died physically who were born again. Absent from the body is present with the Lord for those who are born again. You don't have to fear the second death. It's very clear. You have to have two birthdays to have one death. If you only have one birthday, then you have two deaths. Did you follow that? Because the Bible speaks about the second death, which is death and hell, destruction, wrath of God upon you forever and ever and ever. And why the camp exists and why your church exists and why other ministries exist that are preaching the true gospel is to help people to understand they can come to Christ and they can receive Christ and you will not perish. You'll have everlasting life. You'll have life, abundant life on earth that will continue all through the rest of, uh, of eternity. And this is why I believe once you are truly in the family of God, you can never be out of the family of God. Real quick, there was uh, just another news story about a very famous uh, spiritual leader and Christian writer who has supposedly denied the faith now, and he's actually apologizing for the books that he's written. It's unbelievable. 
And I said to the guys, some of the guys yesterday, we were reading this article and just learning from this, this, there's something wrong about what he said he had before. He didn't really have true faith if he's now claiming he's an atheist or claiming that he's not a Christian. He never had the real deal. Are you with me? Because if you really have the real deal, you don't ever lose it, regardless of what you say. Now, whether he is in or out is between him and the Lord, but based upon his own writing in this article and this own, what he's publishing for all people to, to see now is that he's denying what he actually wrote, what he actually preached, and he's saying, that was wrong, and I'm sorry. I am now against, he doesn't say he's against Christianity, but he's saying, I'm not a Christian anymore. And so there's a problem there. You're either in or you're out. So I have a question. Are you in today? Are you in the family of God? And once you are in, truly believe and receive the gift, it will all, you will always be in. No man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. Amen. Everlasting life is everlasting. It's eternal. And so I want to encourage you to live like a citizen of heaven, possessing everlasting life, and praise the Lord for the amazing truth that when we die, we don't have to fear dying. It is not death to die because we'll live forever in a glorious place called heaven, and there's a whole other message we could preach on that. So here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. I am God. I've showed my love to you by sending Jesus to die for you. The purpose of that is to rescue your, your wretched soul, to give you life everlasting, and if you'll just simply believe, you can have eternal life. This is a simple, plain message of the gospel that the whole world needs to hear. Today, as Christians, we need to go tell the world about this thankful for what your church is doing and seeing the growth of the church and the new church is starting. I'm thankful to hear that of soul winning that's going on. And look, don't ever stop doing that. The whole world needs Jesus. If you're here without Christ, today's the day. I'm pleading with you. The Spirit of God's pleading with you to receive Christ today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and nobody's looking around, who today would say, Brother Mike, I know without any doubt that I'm on my way to heaven. If I were to die today, I know I'll be with Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? You know you're a believer. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you've come to this church, but you've never really put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm pleading with you, this is the truth, not just because the church says it. It's the truth because God says it. And the church is being faithful because this is what God says in His Word. But you have to admit your need and and recognize that you're a sinner and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's people here today that would love to help you. Make sure you know you're on your way to heaven. If you were to die, you know for sure, absent from the body, will be present with the Lord. Is there anyone here that would say, Brother Mike, please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm a Christian today. Anybody at all, just slip up your hand and put it back down. Nobody's looking. I'll, just, I'll pray for you and encourage you to be saved today. Anybody at all? I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Anybody at all? As I quietly wait. All right, Christian, what about you? Have you forgotten the great work of God and Jesus, the cross, what He did for you? In a moment, we're going to take the Lord's table. Do you need to get things right with God so that you can be proving your love to Him? So that you can properly take of the Lord's table? So that you can say that your heart is right with that God who loved you like this? What needs to change so that you can properly glorify Him and, and live in light of the purpose for which He saved you? Who today would say, Brother Mike, God is speaking to me I know there's something in my life that's not right. And I want to get it right today. If that's you, just slip up your hand and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Something's not right in my life today. Please pray for me. Anybody? Anybody else? Yes, thank you. God's speaking to me. There's a change I need to make. Anybody else? So quietly wait.
Thank you. I would encourage you to let the Spirit of God work in your heart. This is not a spooky or a mystical thing. It's the real thing. If He's in you, He will reveal to you what needs to change. Whatever you're thinking about right now is what the Spirit of God is saying. I need, I need to change that. Boy, I need, I need to work on that. Or, boy, I need some help in that. I, I need to confess that. Father, would you work in this time of invitation and do what you need to do? With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just quietly stand to our feet. And as the piano begins to play, would you talk to the Lord about what you need to do today? The piano's playing. You want to come and kneel here at the front, the front pew, front steps, fine. If you want to kneel there at your seat or just stand and kneel in your heart, whatever God encourages you to do, you do right now as the piano plays. You respond. I plead with you, if you're here without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're not sure of that, I'll be right up front. Nobody's looking. We'll send somebody with you, man with a man, a woman with a woman, to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Just a few minutes, I'll turn things over to Pastor, but let's respond to the Word of God that we've heard today. Right now, respond in your heart as we quietly wait.